Hi, I'm Kyler Merrill. I'm the creator of Fletcher Cross. You can find it right now on Kickstarter or you can go to our Twitter and it'll be on there at F Press Comics. And you're watching Two Geeks Talking. Good morning, afternoon, evening, everyone. Two Geeks Talking is an entertainment industry interview show where we interview the creative people from the comic, film, TV, movie, and video game industries. And of course, I'm your host, Kurt Sasso. Welcome to Rapid Fire. The concept of Rapid Fire is simple. 11 questions, 9 to 15 minutes for the interview itself. And we get to talk with creative and talented people in the entertainment industry. So who is our first guest today? Our guest today is a creator, a writer, an editor of an amazing comic currently has a Kickstarter campaign too, and it is called Fletcher Cross. We are joined today by the ever-talented Kyler Merrill. I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? For those that don't know anything about yourself as a creative person, tell us who you are and what you're bringing to Two Geeks Talking. I am Kyler Merrill. I'm a elementary teacher by day, not currently because it's summer, luckily. By night, I am a comics creator. Uh, I write, I draw, I letter. I don't color. That's the only thing I don't do. And I have a company called Foreign Press Comics, and we are currently publishing the book Fletcher Cross that's on Kickstarter right now. It's a narrative anthology. Each chapter is told by a different team, and we are using those to tell a complete story from beginning to end. It tells the story of Fletcher Cross, who is a self-centered engineer. He decides to test his newest machine, the Dimensionalizer, before he's given approval. And the machine goes haywire. It sends him on a series of misadventures through the multiverse. Uh, he encounters Nazis, pirates, uh, lizard people, all sorts of things. He has to try to find his way home before his own pride gets in the way. So it's like Quantum Leap, but, you know, cool. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's like Quantum Leap, but he doesn't change bodies. But other than that, yeah, it's pretty much Quantum Leap, honestly. <laughs> Not intentional, but yeah. It's the basis of some cool sci-fi, and it gives yeah. you flexibility. And, and exactly. it looks like a really cool, or sounds like a really cool story as well, too. What's your podcast? It's called Comics Unscripted. We started it last year. We just did our one-year anniversary episode we took a hiatus for the summer but i was like oh it's got to it, we just been we've been, we've been doing it for years so i'll i recorded another episode with um tobin roscoe yeah we've done 30 episodes now since we started i interview a comic creator and probably about one month i do a book club second half of the episode is me talking with that creator about a book that they choose and we you know go in depth on it and talk about what we liked about it, what we didn't and then i if i can make it work and i'm on a roll that day I can usually make the book connect to their book. And so I can like make it all cohesive. I don't always get there, but that's the goal. I started wanting to do the book club every episode, but I realized very quickly that's a lot of reading and a lot of recording. And I was just like, I can't do this. So I just, I do it now kind of sporadically. Yeah, it's called Comics Unscripted. It's on Anchor. It's on everything you can get podcasts on. So yeah, go listen, subscribe. What is your creative kryptonite? Burnout. I think that's kind of a common answer, but I have a lot of time. I don't have all the time in the world because, you know, I have a day job. I think that just, just burnout is my biggest thing because I'll go through a period like I was just going through for probably the last month or so. I got some work done, but I just, I just couldn't do it. Like things just weren't happening. Lettering wasn't working for me. I couldn't write. I could just, I drew like, you know, maybe a page or so a week and it just, it just wasn't happening. And so I just get burnt out. I don't think that's an uncommon answer though. So I don't have anything, you know, more unique. I hit a wall and I just, I can't do it. But now I've come past it and I'm, I'm good. I've been working for the past like two or three days. I've been on fire. I've been you know, knocking these out, you know, so. Is it burnout or is it creative block? I think it's burnout just because like, I don't know, like it feels different. Like I feel like creative block is like, I can't figure out how to make this page work or I just can't make this idea is not working for me. And like, it just won't happen. But this is just, I think burnout is just like, I just 
can't do anything. And it's not just comics. You know, I'm just burnt out and everything. Maybe it's depression. I don't know. But um, I think those two are related, probably. So I, I don't think it's depression. That's, I was joking. But it's not that things aren't working for me. It's just like, I can't make it happen. I think it's different. Maybe it's not. Everyone usually asks, what's your wisest piece of advice or what's the most bullshit piece of advice you've ever received? But what is your second wisest piece of advice that you have received that has stuck with you in your creative career? I've been thinking about this, honestly, for the past day or two since I got the questions. It doesn't really apply to my creative career. I guess it could in a way. But the first thing that came to mind was measure twice, cut once. I like to woodwork. And that's something my grandpa always told me, you know, measure twice, cut once. And then the thing is, neither of us are good at that. We measure twice and we still somehow cut wrong. I guess it could carry over into your creative career by just being plan out, make sure you know what you're going to do before you just jump into things and just wing it. Because I've done that before and it hasn't always worked out for me. I'm going to stick with that as my answer. But I mean, you have multiple teams that are working to put together this anthology. So obviously there has to be a plan of some kind in place already. That's very true. I mean, and that's part of the reason that we're, we're doing to this is the second time we've run the Kickstarter is that the first time we were not planned out to the level that we needed to be. We did end up winging it. And I don't think that really helped us. And so this time we have definitely measured again. If we're going to stick with that metaphor, we have, we have measured it. And then now we've you know, had more time to take more measurements and now we're cutting it. So here we go. We are at about 43% and we have a little bit less than two weeks left. So we're definitely not like out of the woods, but we're also not like so far in the weeds that like we can't get out of it. We're optimistic. How do you think the birth of creativity was formed? I don't know. I think that people are always have all, I assume that we have always been in some way creative. I mean, we always, we've always had, you know, stories, I think, you know, going back to, to some people, religion is a story. And so it's, we've always been telling stories either to entertain us or as a, you know, just a story of, you know, history as a way to, to learn from our mistakes and things like that. I think it's just kind of always been there since we've had consciousness, maybe to just as a way to, it's, it forms, it serves multiple purposes, but, and I think that, you know, as we've gone from having maybe telling stories from a useful point, useful reason, we realized that, Hey, we can tell stories that are creative and might not be, you know, real, but we can still, you know, learn from them or just, do them for just pure inter entertainment. What was an early experience where you learned that language had power? Probably the first time, at least in terms of written language, was the time I was always a reader in school. And in third grade, my teacher, Miss Gray, we had like composition books and we would have, I don't know if it was every day, every other day or once a week, I don't know what it was, but we had a set time where we had to write for, you know, uh, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it was, you got to write, and you got to write about whatever you wanted. And I know some people like treated it like a diary. So I remember when I found one of my friends and I thought it was weird, but that's just because I'm weird. They probably thought I was weird because I told a story about it was with dragons and like there were chapters to it. And like there was, it was a whole story. And like every week, like I went back and like added more to it. And it was the same story. And looking back, I'm like, why did she sit through all of that? But I just remember writing and knowing that I loved it. I liked being able to tell a story. I like, I just like that I can take something that's in my brain and make it real somewhat. You know, it's obviously not real, real, but it's to some degree, it's, it's a real thing. The first one that I really remember is third grade writings. What did you create that made you realize, yes, I could do this professionally? I would say in May of 2020, I put together an anthology called Pandemics and Panels. 
and I put it together just on a whim for going back to planning and stuff. I didn't plan this one at all. I just completely winged it. I just decided, hey, I want to do an anthology, didn't know how to do it. So I just went on like Reddit and a few other Discord servers and things that I was on and just said, hey, who wants to write or artist who wants to be a part of this? And so we made this anthology and it was back when, you know, we thought COVID was going to last like two months. And so I was like, oh, we're going to take all these negative times. We're going to make something positive. And that's going to be what we do. And it's a, you know, small 42 page thing. And I think we did that, but that was the first thing that I did that wasn't just me making a little comic on my own. It was the first time that I made something that was like, oh, shoot, this could be like a real thing. When we were finishing up making it, I had people who were involved be like, are we going to crowdfund this? Are we going to, you know, get this printed? How's this going to work? Again, I did plan. So I was like, I have no idea. Don't ask me these questions. I don't know. And I was like see, texting some of my friends off the side, like who are also involved. I was like, what do I do? What do I do? Are we going to do that? What do I do? We ended up not doing it. And it's on our website. We sold it originally for um, charity, but now it's on our website for free. Yeah, that was the first thing that I did where I was like, oh, shoot, like I can actually make real things, even though it wasn't a printed book. It was the first comic that I'd ever been a part of that wasn't just me making short little eight page, really crappy eight page comics that I uploaded to the Internet. Everyone has one person that inspired them on their path to where they are today. Who was that for you? Francis Manipal, as far as comics goes. The first person who inspired me as far as comics is definitely him because I got into comics around 2011 whenever the new 52 was happening and he wrote The Flash. And for my birthday that year, I got The Flash, Aquaman, Batman, and Superman number ones. It was all new 52. So it's all brand new stuff. The Flash is the one I stuck with just because the art was so great. I was blown away by how good the art was. That's the first comic that I ever picked up monthly. It's the first comic that I ever collected. I still have all 52 issues of it. Been exposed to comics before, but it's the first time that I've ever seen that the art could be like something else, something bigger, I guess. Just because his art was in the book that I read that I liked the most. And I just stuck with it. And that's what it's that's what it's been. Otherwise, you know, there's other people who've inspired me and other things. But in terms of comics, he's kind of the one. From a professional standpoint, you've created this anthology, you've created other comics in the past and they have done well. And the fact that you've given to charity regarding your comics as well, too, is a worthwhile endeavor and, and effort to boot. And plus, you have a Kickstarter ongoing that I'm sure will be successful in the future. So professionally, you're successful in that regard. Do you consider yourself personally successful? Yes. I initially wanted to say no, but... I do consider myself personally successful because I am an adult. I live on my own. I pay all my bills. I have a decent credit score. Not that that really matters. I, I, I've had, you know, issues come up, not just like financially, but just issues in life. You know, like you have medical things or nothing serious, but you know, just have little things happen here and there and I can handle those. And I do have, you know, a support group behind me. You know, I have parents and the family and, uh, you know, I'm in a committed, stable relationship that all supports me. I think overall, I would consider myself personally successful. And I just think that I'm, I'm doing what I want to be doing. And I always don't think there's room to improve and there's things I want to change, but I am doing what I want to be doing. And I think I'm decent at my job. I would consider myself personally successful. The reverse of success is failure. How do you deal with your failure? I cry. Sometimes, honestly, crying is like the best thing. Like you just cry it out. And like I did last week. Oh, shoot, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Last week, I just like, I was really feeling it. I was like really burnt out. The Kickstarter wasn't doing what I wanted it to. And I was really scared. And I'm doing a convention this week. And I was like, what if it all fails? And I just cried it out. And it, it helped me after, right after I finished. I was like, oh, this is great. The only other thing is just 
move on from them, kind of not ignore them, but take a mistake and turn it into a learning experience or take a failure and learn from it. You know, as long as you can take something away from it, I think that there's value in it. The only worst thing you can do is just fail and blame everything on someone else. And just be like, ah, I, I was perfect. There's nothing I can do differently. I'm just going to, you know, forget it. That's the worst thing you can do. So as long as you're learning from your failures, I think that that's the best way to deal with them. The younger generation is looking at your work and they're becoming inspired to be creative in their own way. And the fact that you're teaching the younger generation as well, I'm sure they'll be creative in some way, shape or form. And hopefully you can impart some common knowledge and wisdom on them in the future, possibly. Yeah, I try. That's good. <laughs> the cool, the cool teacher. That's, that's what you want to be, right? <laughs> kind of. You know, I don't want to be too cool because then, you know, it's just chaos, but I try. How can they inspire the generation that follows them? By doing what they want to do, by just following what they love. That's the same thing I try to, you know, tell my classes at school, right? Because right now I'm teaching fifth grade and that's a very pivotal year for, you know, when they're starting to develop their identities and their senses of self and things and what they like, and what they don't like and all these things. And it's the first time they're dealing with a lot of peer pressure as far as this is cool and this isn't cool. And, so that's what I all tell them all is just to, you know, do you like to re read manga and watch anime and you want to draw Titans from Attack on Titan all day? Sure, do it. Do what you love to do and you will be happy, I think. Obviously, I mean, there's other you know, factors that involve in happiness, but I think that that's a big part of it is just to do what you want to do and you will inspire others and you will be fulfilled yourself in some way. If your life was a comic book, what would its title be? And what would the soundtrack be? I'm really bad at titles. That's a really hard question to ask. Titles either like they either come to me like immediately or it takes me like months. The soundtrack probably be just because it's like what I find myself listening to most of the time. Um, but also I feel like there's definitely some periods in my life where it would definitely fit some really sad old school outlaw country really sad like depressing johnny cash waylon jennings music like that would just i feel like that would be a good soundtrack and then you know you could counteract that with some like more fun songs like boy named sue or something like that but like when in my feels like some of those songs just really like it really make it really it really helps you know what i mean you know it just gets me in that zone titles just are not my thing either they happen or they don't happen so i got half of it i got 50. that's a pass yeah. right? that's an f no no i wish there's a lot of kids in my class that wish that was past too, but it's not, it's not. Well, Carlin, I do hate to say it, but that ends this particular episode of Two Geeks Talking. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you having me on. Before I let you go, where can we find you? How can we support you? And of course, where can we find the Kickstarter campaign and when does it end? Um, the Kickstarter campaign, it ends on July 5th. You can find it in the Kickstarter, type in Fletcher Cross. It'll be the newer one or you can just go to my twitter or my instagram and find it you can find foreign press comics at f press comics on twitter and foreign press comics on instagram or facebook pretty much my entire twitter feed has just been this kickstarter for the past like three weeks so go there i guarantee you'll find it it's not hard I guarantee it'll be in the top three tweets like i said that ends this particular episode of two geeks talking you can of course find this interview and literally a thousand plus others on our website tgtmedia.com or two geekstalking.com that's the word too not the number two and of course on our youtube channel which is youtube.com forward slash tgtmedia and as i say every week everyone has a story to tell it's up to me to help bring that out thanks for listening watching on two geeks talking